Good evening, and you're listening to The Scoop on CFRC 101.9 FM, brought to you by CFRC's News Collective. Alexandra Fernandez, Dinah Jansen, Chancellor Miracle, Christina Laurie, Zaydan Vergara, Erica Singh, and Mary McKetty. I'm Alexandra Fernandez, and here's your local news rundown. As a result of declining COVID-19 PCR testing volumes with other testing options available in the community, the COVID-19 Assessment Center located at the Beech Grove Complex will close its doors for the final time on February 24th. Since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, the COVID-19 Assessment Center, managed by Kingston Health Sciences Center, has provided safe and timely access to COVID-19 PCR testing, on-site clinical assessments by nurses, paramedics, and physicians, and access to COVID-19 and influenza vaccinations for Kingston and surrounding communities. The assessment center will remain open for PCR testing and COVID-19 vaccination needs for eligible individuals up to February 24th. After this date, members of the general public are encouraged to take advantage of the many community supports in place to keep them protected against the virus. After its closure, if an eligible individual who works in a high-risk setting does not have access to a COVID-19 PCR test through their employer, they would be directed to select participating pharmacies that offer publicly funded PCR testing at no cost. Rapid antigen test kits remain available to the public through participating grocery stores and pharmacies. As COVID-19 continues to circulate in the region, vaccination remains one of the most effective ways to protect against the virus. All approved COVID-19 vaccines used in Canada are effective at helping to protect against severe illness, including hospitalization and death from COVID-19. COVID-19 vaccines remain available to the public through Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox and Addington Public Health and participating pharmacies. Cindy Bolton, who is the director of the Assessment Center and Community Partnership, says over the course of the pandemic, the COVID-19 Assessment Center has moved locations four times and with partner support ran satellite testing centers, drive throughs pop-ups and outreach testing in response to surging testing needs. I am incredibly proud of our Assessment Center team who have worked incredibly hard on the front lines throughout the pandemic to help protect our community. At its peak, the COVID-19 Assessment Center tested close to 1,000 people a day and has provided over 250,000 PCR tests, 20,000 COVID-19 vaccines, and over 100 Paxlovid prescriptions. To book an appointment at the COVID-19 Assessment Center at the Beech Grove Complex before February 24th for a vaccination, PCR tests, or to learn more about the eligibility requirements, go to kingstonhsc.ca. Several Kingston groups have voiced their support for No Clear Cut Kingston's recent request for a federal impact assessment regarding the risks placed by the proposed tannery development on local areas of federal responsibility. Jeremy Milloy, River First YGK, says, As No Clear Cuts pointed out in its request for the impact assessment, the tannery site is right beside the rideau Cataraqui River. This is a National Historic Site of Canada, a National Historic Park, and a Canadian Heritage River, and is inscribed as a UNESCO World Heritage Site. The federal government should be examining the tannery proposal's impact on federal waterways, water lots, and federally protected species. The groups also endorsed No Clear Cuts' concerns 
about the developer's plans to cut down 1,800 trees and dig up and export 400,000 tons of earth. They agree that the development proposal needs to be assessed under federal legislation, including the Fisheries Act, the Species at Risk Act, and the Migratory Birds Convention Act. Also, because the development could bring up to 5,000 people onto the site just across from Bell Island, a sacred indigenous place, they believe that it is up to the federal government to intervene to protect indigenous physical and cultural heritage as well as human rights. Mary Farrer, friends of Kingston Inner Harbor, says, We agree with no clear cuts and feel it is essential for the federal government to assess the risks of the development proposal to the river, including its impact on the federal Inner Harbor cleanup project. Joyce Hostin of Little Forest Kingston says, A growing rights of nature movement recognizes that ecosystems, including rivers and forests, aren't merely property that can be owned. Rather, they are entities that have an independent and inalienable right to exist and flourish. With governments around the world beginning to recognize the rights of nature, we call on the federal government to do the same. Carrie Hill of No Clear Cuts Kingston says, We really appreciate having so much support for our impact assessment request. It shows how much solidarity there is around the issue of saving nature in Kingston, especially as the climate crisis gets worse. No Clear Cuts copied its impact assessment request letter to the Minister of Crown Indigenous Relations, the Minister of Fisheries, Oceans and Canadian Coast Guard, the Minister of Transport, Mark Gerritsen, MP, Chief Dave Mowat, Chief Donald Maracle, and John Bolognon of City Clerk. Coming up this week on Thursday night and Friday, temperatures are forecasted to be extremely cold, reaching negative 29 degrees Celsius. Exposed plumbing pipes and exterior walls of your home, unheated basements, and crawl spaces could be at risk of freezing. To protect your plumbing, review these tips offered by Utilities Kingston. Check exposed cold water pipes inside your home. To check your plumbing, touch exposed cold water pipes. For example, in your basement or the incoming water pipes under the kitchen sink. If a spot feels unusual, usually cold or colder than other spots take measures to provide heat. This can include insulating pipes and external walls or opening cupboard doors to improve warm airflow. If you have a frozen internal plumbing pipe, try using a hairdryer to thaw it. But safety first, never leave a heating device unattended and be careful not to weaken plumbing joints. Consider calling a plumber if the problem gets worse. To prevent internal plumbing from freezing, you can consider these tips. Locate your master shutoff valve at the water meter. Ensure it is accessible and operating. This way, you'll know how to quickly turn off the water if a pipe bursts. Unscrew outdoor garden hoses, turn off the outdoor water supply, and allow the taps to drain. Make sure that boxes and other items aren't blocking heat from getting to your water meter or exposed plumbing against exterior walls. Insulate pipes or faucets in unheated areas, especially near outside walls and in crawl spaces, the attic, and garages. This can be done with foam pipe covers available from building supply or home improvement stores. Avoid direct pipe contact with exterior walls. Seal cracks that let air in, which could potentially blow on exposed pipes. Check around windows and doors, electrical wiring, dryer vents, and pipes. Consider installing frost-free outdoor faucets. If you will be away from your property for extended periods, turn off the master shutoff valve and drain the pipes, including external taps. When in doubt about internal plumbing issues, consult with the licensed plumber. And you can also learn more about the issue of frozen outside water services. Although the temperatures are only forecasted to be extreme for a short period of time, you should know what to do in case of long-duration cold snaps. Understanding the risks and preventative steps for frozen outside water service lines can help avoid future problems in case of extreme and long-duration cold spells. For more information, go to utilitieskingston.com for more tips and some risk factors.
That's it for your local news rundown, and now let's throw it over to Erica Singh for Campus Corner. Hello and welcome to Campus Corner here at CFRC. My name is Erica, and today I'm joined in studio by Saman and Maddie, the co-chairs for TEDxXQueensU. How's it going today, guys? Doing well, thanks. Doing great, yeah. So do you just mind explaining what TEDx is for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm sure everyone listening here has listened to a TED Talk or watched a TED Talk on YouTube. So TEDx is an independently run TED event. So we get permission from the larger TED brand to run our own event with our own talented speaker lineups and activities that you guys can come watch live. So it's all student run, but the speakers are a mix of students, but also some people with really interesting professional and personal life experiences. Great. So when exactly is the event and who are some speakers the attendees can look forward to? Yeah, so this year our event is going to be held over two evenings instead of a full day. It will be on February 5th and 6th from 6 to 10 p.m. uh, And we've got uh, a great lineup this year. There's five unique speakers each night. Uh, We offer catering, performances, an innovation lab, uh, delegate bags, and an art showcase. So it'll be an evening with A lot of ideas worth spreading, as well as ways to get involved and interact with uh, the speakers and the different uh, participating organizations. Yeah, so as Saman mentioned, we have two different nights of the event, and each of them will have five speakers. So our first speaker is a Queen's University professor of Black political thought, Delitzo Rue. He's speaking about the characterization of Black males after their death. So that is for sure going to be a very interesting and meaningful talk. Our next speaker that evening is Austin Lang, a Queen's Law student, who's going to be turning the trope of the really cold lawyer on its head to talk about why thinking like a lawyer can actually improve your skills in empathy. And our last speaker for the evening is Michelle Chubb, otherwise known as Indigenous Batty on Instagram and TikTok. She's an influencer, a model, and an activist speaking on Indigenous issues. She's coming out from Winnipeg to speak for us and for you, so we're so excited for you to hear her talk. And on night two, which is Monday, February 6th, we've also got a great lineup. Uh, Naima Baruku is a diversity, equity, uh, inclusion specialist at NASA, and she's going to be talking about her journey of seeking a sense of connection and navigating through grief and loss as a cancer survivor uh, and thriver, uh, dependent on her curiosity of herself and others. And finally, Dr. Sarah Nabil is a Queen's University Assistant Prof of Interaction Design, and she's going to be talking about embracing the contrast, about mixing your different passions and being able to combine them together rather than feeling like you have to stick to one thing and be inside a box. That sounds like a very interesting lineup. So do you have any current opportunities or future opportunities for Queen's students to get involved? So the best way for students to get involved at this point is to come to the conference where under two weeks away and it's more accessible than it has ever been before. In a post-COVID world, we recognize that it's really hard to be a student, so we've made our price only $20 a night for students to go to. After the event, um, executive and full team hiring will start up again in a couple weeks or a month or so, and we definitely recommend that you give it a go. If you like TED Talks at all, you're not going to find a better community of people to work with. 
Yeah, and as the second largest TEDx organization in the country, it's really important now uh, to just come out and attend and interact with the community in ways that we weren't able to do for a couple of years. And this year's theme is Revive. So we're going to look at um, exploring the role of unexpected obstacles in achieving personal growth and development. Uh, and I think it's going to be a great event uh, that everyone can uh, take a lot. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Just before you leave, um, can you please share any social media you have and any closing remarks? Yeah, so you can find us on Instagram, which is where we're most active at TEDxQueens. Uh, and you can also visit our website, www.tedxqueensu.com. Uh, there's also a li link there to our ticket page where you can learn more and, and get your tickets. Once again, that was Saman and Maddie from TEDx Queens U. To listen to the full interview and to learn more about their planning process and their theme, visit the Scoop podcast on Spotify and Apple Music. And also make sure to buy your ticket and attend the event on February 5th and 6th at the Kingston Grand Theatre right across from Urban Outfitters. That's all for Campus Corner today. Thank you so much for joining us. And now over to Zayden Vergara with sports. Good evening, everyone. My name is Zayden Vergara, and it's time for your CFRC Sports Roundup. Queens Distance Track Jude Wheeler D broke a 35-year-old Queens track and field record on Friday at the McGill Team Challenge in Montreal, Quebec. Wheeler D took the lead with 200 meters to go and held off former U Sports 600-meter champion Stefan Evan with a time of 2 minutes 22 seconds .16. To break the Queen's men's 1,000 meter record of 2 minutes 24 seconds 03, set by Dave Mathner in 1987. His time is also the fastest 1,000 meter time in the nation so far this year and automatically qualifies him for the U Sports National Track and Field Championship in March. On Saturday, Elizabeth Vroom, who has already made a big impact in her first year on the Queen's campus with her U Sports Cross Country Rookie of the Year award, put herself into the Queen's all-time 1500 meter ranking. Vroom's time of 4 minutes 36 seconds, .18 was third overall and placed her 10th all-time on Queen's 1500 meter list. The Carr Harris Cup is just one day away, ladies and gentlemen. Watch as Queen's University's Golden Gales and the RMC Paladins duke it out in the world's oldest hockey rivalry. The match is set to take place Thursday at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time at the Leon Center. Tune in to CFRC with live coverage starting at 7.20 with myself, Zayden Vergara, and the lovely Ryan Sachuk. Queen students can claim one free ticket at the Q Services desk in the ARC. After all free tickets are claimed, students can purchase more tickets for $5 each also at the Q Services desk. For general public, tickets can be purchased on Ticketmaster for $15 each. But on that note, that's all your sports coverage for today. Hope to see you at the Leon Center tomorrow. Now over to Chris Laurie with a community update. This is Chris coming in with your community update for this week. The first week of February is Eating Disorder Awareness Week, and to discuss this topic, I sat down with Marie Pierre, the lead clinician and founder of The Balance Practice, a clinic that specializes in eating disorder treatment. So just to get us started, would you like to introduce yourself and let folks know a little bit about the background of The Balance Practice? 
Yeah. So my name is Marie-Pierre. You can also call me Marie. So I am a registered dietitian and I'm the founder of The Balance Practice. So The Balance Practice is a virtual clinic that supports people in their eating disorder recovery across Ontario. So the practice is almost five years old and it started um, after I actually have a background in psychology and nutrition, and I have lived experience of having an eating disorder. And after going through my own recovery and the process that I went through, I really wanted to offer a different way of supporting people through their care, a way that was a little bit more inclusive um, and really support people in the prevention before it gets to the point of hospitalization. So that's how the balance practice started. And now we're a team of dietitians, therapists, social workers, really passionate about just supporting people in recovery from the comfort of their homes. Awesome. Thank you for all that background. So the first week of February, the first to the seventh is Eating Disorder Awareness Week. Perfect time to have you on to educate folks about this important topic. To start us off, what are some of the early signs to watch out for in a developing eating disorder? Yeah, I am from the perspective that like any diet that's meant to control is a risk factor mm-hmm. for an eating disorder. Um, but early signs when we think of someone like, cause we think about like people who like, you know, I just want to be healthy, but when this like, I just want to be healthy becomes like obsessive or turns into an eating disorder. One of the big themes there is like the rigidity that we have. So if we have like extremely rigid rules where it becomes like very all or nothing, that's a really good sign that like our thinking is becoming very narrow, very rigid. That's a space where we would want to really start, you know, kind of like laying down those red flags and kind of saying like, okay, like this is probably an issue. Um, also on the emotional side of things, when we see that we start attaching our value or our worth on our body size. So if the scales goes down, I feel so happy. If the scales goes up, then I'm like feeling like a total failure. And like so much of our days are kind of dictated by how I feel based on the number on the scale, but also with the food that I eat, right? Like if a quote unquote good day is defined by like eating salads versus a bad day is defined by eating burgers, then that is also a pretty big indicator that our relationship to food or body has started to become a little bit more on the disordered side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then anything that has to do with like logistics and planning, like when our whole day starts to be like moved around and pushed around based on like our diet or like not being able to go out because it won't fit in your plan or having to push you know, whatever it would be like classes or work things or whatever, because you have a workout that you like absolutely can't miss. So again, it's kind of like that rigid, rigidity piece, but like food and body starts like taking way too much space in our life that like our hobbies, our, you know, social interaction, our family, our friends, like all of these things start to very much um, become like not less important, but less of a priority. Definitely. Yeah. How do you think one should go about supporting a friend or loved one showing signs of an eating disorder? I think honestly, like the first step is being able to be there for them. One thing with folks who struggle with eating disorders, oftentimes like feeling alone or feeling like maybe people won't understand or not being able to open up. So I think as loved ones, like if we think that someone is struggling, really be able to like show up for support, really being able to and, um, you know, be there with them, ask them how they're doing. I really think that we're like, I underestimate how much just being there for someone really means, especially when you feel alone. Like, I think that part is great. And where can folks find you and more info about Eating Disorder Awareness Week? So I mostly hang out on Instagram. So you guys can find us at um, the.balancepractice or the.balancepractice. 
balance.dietitian. Um, and or on our website at www.thebalancepractice.com. And if you want more information on uh, the Eating Disorder Awareness Week, you can go to netic.ca. So they are the one who are really like behind this whole initiative and really pushing for um, the awareness of eating disorders. So you can get a lot of information on their website as well. That was Marie Pierre with The Balance Practice on Eating Disorder Awareness Week. That was actually only part of the interview, so if you'd like to catch the full interview, you can head to our podcast network at podcast.cfrc.ca under the scoop. That's all for your community update this week. Next up, the weather. Thanks so much. I'm Mary McKetty, and this is your CFRC weather report. This evening, you can expect mainly cloudy weather with a 30% chance of flurries. Winds are out of the west at 20 kilometers per hour, but will taper off around midnight. We will reach a low of minus 7 with a wind chill of minus 14. Thursday morning, you can expect cloudy conditions with a 30% chance of flurries. By the late afternoon, flurries will begin and wind will come out of the southwest at 40 km per hour, gusting to 60 km per hour. Temperatures will remain steady near minus 2 with a wind chill of minus 12. Thursday night will remain cloudy and windy with a 70% chance of flurries. We will reach a low of minus 24. Now over to Alex with our traffic report. Thank you so much. I'm Alexandra Fernandez, and here is your weekly traffic report brought to you by the City of Kingston. Lower Brewery Swing Bridge is closed until further notice. McDonnell Street from Johnson to Earl will be closed until February 6 for new service connections on McDonnell. Market Street from Ontario to King will be closed until February 11th at 5pm for the Optic Interactive Sound and Light installation. Wright Crescent from the south intersection of Palace to 16 Palace is closed until October 31st, 2023 for construction staging. Please note that access to Wright Crescent is through the north intersection of Wright Crescent and Palace Road. The School Streets Initiative is in place from 8.40am to 9.10am and 3.20pm to 3.50pm on weekdays until June 29th, 2023. McDonnell Street from Earl to Hill and Sydenham Street from Ordnance to Colburn. Again, these streets are closed from 8.40 a.m. to 9.10 a.m. and 3.20 p.m. to 3.50 p.m. on weekdays until June 29th. The Play Street Initiative is also in place. The following street is closed from 3.30 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. on Mondays until August 28th. Thomas Street from Cowdy to Patrick. Some other delays that you can expect. Front Road from Trailhead to King West, you can expect a lane closure on the north side until February 3rd from 7.30am to 3.30pm each day. Highway 33 east of Collins Creek Bridge to west of Coronation Boulevard, you can expect some delays. Construction barrels and flag people will direct traffic around the work zone. And Jackson Mills Road near the KNP Trail will be reduced to one lane, which does remain open in both directions. King Street from Princess to Queen, you can expect a sidewalk closure until Feb 28th. You can also expect a sidewalk closure on Queen Street from King to Ontario until February 28th for the development happening at 18 Queen Street. And in regards to the Portsmouth Waterfront Pathway, the city has closed access to the pathway at the foot of Mowat Avenue and Young Street, as well as east of Lake Watch Lane to accommodate pathway and shoreline improvements. That's your City of Kingston weekly traffic report. And now we're going to throw it over to Mary with our events calendar for the week. Thank you so much. This is your events calendar for the week. First off, there are three important academic deadlines to keep in mind. 
Both the Queen's general bursary appeal and Queen's financial awards deadlines arrive on Wednesday, followed by the deadline to drop winter term courses for a 50% refund on Friday. Remember to get your submissions in if these deadlines apply to you. On the note of deadlines, online tickets are still available until this Saturday for the Queen's Feminist Leadership and Politics QFLIP Ignite 2023 conference. Conference delegates will hear from a variety of inspirational speakers, participate in skill-building workshops, and meet like-minded individuals who share a passion for political advocacy. Online tickets are $35, so make sure to register at linktree slash QFLIP. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Q-F-L-I-P. Coming up on Thursday until February 8th, Peer Health Educator, PHE, will open registrations for their $5 fresh food boxes. Fresh food boxes contain fresh produce and key ingredients to make quick, healthy meals with up to four servings and can be picked up February 9th. The link to register online can be found on queensevents.ca. Information about pickup times, locations, and recipes for fresh food boxes will be sent to you upon registration. Also on Thursday, Art Hive at Agnes picks up for the winter season. Art Hive is an art therapy initiative for everyone ages 16 and up and is facilitated by Harper Johnson in the Onslet Billet studio at the Agnes Etherington Arts Centre, located at 36 University Avenue. You can register for free online at agnes.queensu.ca slash participate. For a family-friendly Saturday and Sunday, you don't want to miss the Cabin Fever Winter Antique Show. This antique show is celebrating its 40th anniversary of offering diverse and affordable collections from dealers across Ontario and Quebec. The show will run from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturday and 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Sunday, located at the Portsmouth Olympic Harbour, which is at 53 Young Street. For more information, please visit cabinfeverkingston.com. I'm Mary McKetty, and those are all the events we're highlighting for the week. Thank you so much for tuning in to CFRC's news programming. If you ever have a news story or tip to share, please reach out to news at cfrc.ca. Stay tuned for more programming coming up next. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.